0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, feeling flat as a tack today, joined by Nick Sutherland with unexpected tradies at his house. Nico, how are you, mate? I'm
1: putting it out there. This is probably going to be the shittest episode we've done.
0: Maybe we'll call it that. <laughs> Who's shuffling your fucking Uno cards there? What are you up to? <laughs>
1: really?
0: Can you pull a card for me? Can you pull it? A- yeah, Nick's shuffling his, his Nick shuffling his his spirit guide
1: cards. Which archangel?
0: Shit. Which archangel yeah. am I gonna get? <laughs> Whatever's the funniest story to my brain, that's what I'll I'll come out with.
1: Uh, yeah, it's just it couldn't be further from the truth in so many occasions <laughs> but tell me when to stop sliding
0: for the benefit of the podcast i'll say it sooner rather than later now
1: anytime you're ready pal renunciation is what you need oh god what do i
0: need to renounce
1: there is a great difference between the struggling in life and loving life. The practice of renunciation or voluntarily letting go will help you to end this struggle and make loving life possible. For when you are not struggling, you can give all you have to love, to dream, to be who you truly are, and to everything that you do wholeheartedly. And you're not giving. Any, you're not. You're not doing this wholeheartedly today. So you better start letting go of something.
0: Can you read that first sentence. It was the first sentence.
1: There's a great difference between struggling in life and loving life.
0: Right. Okay. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Sit a lot of people that. are
1: holding on. Essentially, a lot of people are holding on to what they prefer, and you know, like I prefer to have a morning where I didn't have three unexpected traders turn up and have to go out there and start managing them before a podcast, and it's like seven thirty in the morning here, and. It was just, uh, I'm like, all right, I've got a full day of clients and there's going to be rock breaking out there and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, if I hold on to a desire for none of that to be happening, um, it's going to use a lot of energy. Uh, I'll probably end up flat and bitter and twisted and resentful. and Like me. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just letting go of everything and it all just is. and It's all impermanent. It's all temporary. It'll all... Just be what it needs to be and so be it.
0: So. All, right. All right. I'm feeling a little bit better already. My personal little therapy session already. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I've am i been, yeah, struggling with something that I can't control the last couple of days, um, right. you know, a large technological company. <laughs> and uh, you can't
1: control it. How weird.
0: It's stupid, isn't it? It's I, I should be able to call the phone from down here in little old Australia to a large American tech company and I should be able to call the shots. That's what I believe. My ego yeah, believes.
1: Uh, yeah, totally. Your ego's having a hell of a time. uh Victor Frankel's work, yeah. We did the the master series, and he said
0: Yeah, but I don't think Victor was went through quite as tough a circumstances that I've been going through the
1: last couple of <laughs> days. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> The Holocaust. With all all due respect, Mr. Frankel. And and, and technological issues. (laughs) Me
0: having a a slight inconvenience with my business and the way that I track things technologically. um, Mm. No, look, I may may be being a little bit. uh, What what am I catastrophizing? Would that be the cognitive distortion Mm. that I'm doing?
1: Yes. I'm good at that one. I'm
0: very good at that one
1: i uh, know the way that your mind operates it it, it, is. it is you have a powerful mind and with great power comes great responsibility so you have a responsibility to yourself first and foremost your family secondly and the rest of us thirdly to make sure you monitor where your mind is and what it's getting up Ooh, to. oh
0: mate yeah it's been a it's been a nearly a four decade challenge that's why i can go to some pretty mm-hmm. dark places but it could go to some beautiful places and do amazing know, things yeah, as i've well. got them
1: I've got the same thing going on. So it's, that's why it's imperative that we, we do the work on a daily basis. We, you know, So much of what we're doing is is the first fundamental in MindFit is, is prioritising yourself, and that's turning up and doing the work. And we've been talking to a lot of clients lately about being an active participant in your own human experience. And a lot of people don't turn up. They don't intervene when they start to get upset or frustrated or whatever, they they keep trying to... (laughs) Michael Singer, I love you at the moment, you're trying to manipulate the world around you in order to... I'm exactly who he's talking
0: about. That's a weird expression, though, isn't it, an active participant in our own human experience? Most people would just go, well, of course I'm an active participant. It's my human experience. Uh, I'm doing it What exactly do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean by that? What's the distinction?
1: Mindful and Mindless. So how conscious and present are you? I'm listening to what I say as I'm saying it. I'm aware of my emotional um, sensations within myself. So when when these all these trades turn up at the same time and, and it starts all going all over the place, my natural instinct now is to go internally. Then the dogs are barking because everyone's turning up. My natural instinct is to go internally and say, all right, I can't control what's going on out here. I can only control what's happening within me. And so how do I want to feel right now? Thank you, Paul. And that's where you've got to let go. That's where we're yeah you know, the, the four noble truths. To live is to suffer. Things are going to go pear-shaped. Tech companies are going to be tech companies. Traders are going to do their thing. It's all happening out of our control. So... Being an active participant in your own human experience is controlling the controllables. And the only thing that you can control is how you feel in relationship to things happening.
0: Yeah, it's like I'm uh, I, I'm here with Ryan or you're there with Nick along the human experience. Because if I'm just Ryan, then I'm caught up in being just a weird human with all these automatic reactions and playing out patterns and all that kind of thing. So um yeah, okay
1: autopilot versus um, non-autopilot. You know? Manual so if pilot? You're in a, manual pilot, yeah. If you're in an airplane and you're just on autopilot, you're sort of half asleep. You're not really conscious. You know, if you're having a cup of tea or reading a magazine or whatever and things are just cruising along. But if, you, um, if you're there, you, you, you're able to respond to things as they happen and you can move this far and move that way. So, thank you, Dale.
0: So I'm in a um, relation. I'm in a relationship with me feeling flat. I'm not just flat. I'm in a relationship with that. There's. I. I have yeah, well, a choice. I have a way to been, respond been, to that.
1: There's been a, a source of stimulus which has triggered your attachments. So. Your ego has formed these desires for things to go a certain way. You know, the three of me is I must be loved, I must be loved and liked, must get what I want, and things must be perfect. So I'm not being loved and liked because they're not listening to me and doing what I'm asking of them. I'm not getting what I want, and it's I'm not living in the utopia. So all three of those things, uh, those beliefs, have been activated, um, and now you're having an adult tantrum.
0: Okay no I'm not
1: (laughs) it's the you can hear the ego in there you can hear the rigidity in there and you can hear how irrational it is so you know that's where we teach a mental rep and and that's where because none of us are immune to this so we'll all fall into these traps occasionally but then when we come into the awareness that we're falling into that trap, that we're feeling the way that we're feeling and we can, ah, oh, and that's where we can laugh at ourselves and go, how irrational am I being? I'm trying to control a massive company and that is just hilarious. So it then-
0: is hilarious, isn't it? It's like we uh, we're okay with, you know, letting go of these attachments, the one that we're conscious and aware of, but then we don't know these other ones that we have until they surface because they feel like they come from left field. And it's like, well, look at the attachments of, you know, how my partner shows up and what she does and, you know, the, what my son's doing and, you know, what the weather's doing and all that kind of stuff. And then something happens that's just not even on the radar. It's like way in the back of the mind, the attachment. It's like they're just going, this over here is solid and that's not going to change. Very
1: subtle. It's very subtle.
0: Yeah, but then it'll in the face. It does. They're not yeah, so subtle right all dick. of a sudden. Do no. right I would have saw a dick. But <laughs> I'm going to tend to that today
1: don't do That's my, on the podcast is that a mental rep
0: <laughs> what kind of reps that
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a physical um, arm physical. Rip, I think <laughs> it's so I'm like a, I told it was going to be a shit podcast I know
0: I know I'm going to call it the shittest podcast ever I'm, I'm just labelling at that already what are we <laughs> only fucking 15 trying. minutes in Um, So
1: those, we'll just get running with that for a minute. So because you're not being an active participant in your own human experience, you're on autopilot, you're not really conscious of all of these things, you just react, react, react because those beliefs are in place, it's creating the distortion. So now you're looking at this global company through all these distorted lenses. You're blaming them, you're labelling them, you're jumping to conclusions, going to worst-case scenario, it's unfair, they should be doing this, you're probably disqualifying all the things that they've done well. Um, and the, the, all of those distortions are essentially in place. So you're no longer looking at the reality of what is. You, <laughs> you've... Um, you, you you, you're not even. What's the? What's the I, I'm. There's
0: part of me that that wants to blame. You're, de- you're detached from reality. I am. Yeah, part okay. of me wants to blame someone or something, and you can see it. I can yeah. feel it. Part of it's sort of point because I, 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 I spoke to them yesterday, and they're saying everything looks fine on their end. I'm like, well, it's fucking not. Where's the disconnect here? And then I'm like, oh, well, if they're if they're not to blame, then who else is to blame here? And I, I, that's that, that's the part that's trying to point the finger. And I, teach, so, I always teach people if I'm blaming them, I'm stuck. I'm stuck as yeah, soon as so, I'm blaming someone or something.
1: So Google Google the definition of patience while we're sitting here.
0: Oh, God, all right. Get on the oh, old Google. Make, Get on the old, the old Google, mate. Google. All right, okay, here we go. Patience. The capacity to accept or tolerate Delay problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. You can find here's an example you can find bargains uh, if you have the patience to <laughs> sift through the rubbish. <laughs> A lot of rubbish going on. So there.
1: instead of focusing on this business, you got to go, you got to go op shopping and um, sift through the rubbish and find. So you can hear this. So say it again. Say the first bit again. The capacity to tolerate. Or endure delay. It's also what the British
0: people call the card game solitaire.
1: They just, stay just, focused just, for a minute. Sorry, that's very it's very interesting.
0: I'm off Google now, I'm off. I'm back.
1: I just said can you can you read it out the first line again for people?
0: I just close the window.
1: I oh, know. <laughs> you are not an active participant in yours or my human experience today.
0: No, it made me think when I was a kid, because remember, we've got the computers back in the day, and like they have solitaire on them. But when I was taught it purely with, with the cards, I'm, man, I've... I'm always you meditating. Say, like,
1: do, do, do you train your mind just to stay present for more, the, longer than five seconds?
0: The capacity to accept or tolerate delay problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious.
1: Uh, at the moment, so another word for patient would be equanimous. So equanimous, equanimity is right. the ability to remain calm and composed, especially in a difficult situation. So you said at the start that you're feeling flat. Imagine yeah. how much energy it takes to to have all this neurosis in your head. And well, the energy—I
0: think the energy's already happened. So now I'm flat because I've yeah. I've used up energy. Yes, well, that's
1: what I mean. So so you haven't been very fuel efficient over the last three days. No,
0: I haven't. You've been you've been leaking. I've been using it up. I've been revving.
1: Yeah. Re- have <laughs> your engine. So. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's just not, it's, it's how humans operate. That's what, what we do until we start realizing, ah, uh, I'm, I've given, essentially, you've given this company the key to your happiness and said, whatever you do is going to determine how I feel. That's, you know, that's what happens when we're on an autopilot. And when they so, get their
0: shit together, then I'll be okay.
1: Yeah. But you're outsourcing your happiness. So you're, yeah. I'll be happy when X, Y, and Z happens. Correct. So patience is isn't just waiting. It's 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 uh, pa- being patient isn't a passive activity. It's a very active activity, and we have to. It's what we do while we're waiting. It's how much we're surrendering to the reality of what it is. How much we control the, the controllables. So you ask yourself, right, am I prepared to let go? It takes more strength to let go than it takes to hold on. You, you're in this, you, your nervous system is in a heightened state at the moment. You're in fight flight because- I'm in shutdown right now. Yeah, because your resources have been compromised. You're like, yeah, the grain in the silo has been threatened. Mm. It's like my income, this is my income, this is my resources. Yeah, it's a survival response.
0: It's like, well, this is going to threaten my entire business when it's not.
1: No. That's your mind jumping to conclusions. I'm letting that part of my mind speak. (laughs) How's that working for you? It's yeah, um,
0: It's either going to be in here yeah, or out yeah.
1: there. Right. So essentially what we're saying is you have options. You can there's, there's choice. You can keep going on a destructive path and judging, criticizing, condemning, complaining, being stuck and problem-oriented. Or you can take the hard path, which is the constructive path, which is you can have understanding, empathy, compassion, gratitude, solution oriented, and free liberate yourself, liberate your mind. From-
0: what would you suggest? Which one?
1: Oh, look, I, I'm not here to live your life. But, um, I think you've <laughs> tell me tell me what uh, to do. It's up t- to you, mate. Do you, want, do you want peace or do you want agitation? I want a bit of both. I think. <laughs> It's your call. <laughs> I want to fight, man. I want the I want full
0: human experience. I want it all. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. Oh, yeah, it's, a, a,
1: f- it's a fun. It's a fun concept to play around with. Am I, am I being an active participant in my own human experience?
0: Beautiful. So write that down, people. I'm writing it down. <laughs> write it down. Right. Uh, all right. Talk to us about David Beckham.
1: Bex Golden Balls. Um, is that really uh, his nickname ever?
0: Golden Balls.
1: Yeah, that's what, that's what Posh called him. Right. You know, okay. On a TV show when they see. were being interviewed. Um, yeah, so I was living in England 2000, 2001, 2002, uh, which is sort of at the, the when he sort of first came on the scene. So I've, I've had an interest in, in Bex and um, yeah, the Netflix series came out. The the doco on him, and um, I just found it really interesting because it was he, he was the golden boy, the, the could do no wrong sort of guy, and it was I think it was the it was the first and second episode where they focused on this, and it was whenever th- things don't go according to how we want them to. big corporations don't solve our problems. It's very revealing and it reveals our impurities and it reveals oh this is this is this is coming out from within me. And what it revered was really gross from the the nation of England um, shout out to all our English listeners um, but uh, so, yeah and this is we talk about the depth of our suffering is in direct proportion to the depth of our attachment. So however frustrated you've been, if you've been frustrated eight out of ten, you've had an attachment that's been eight out of ten. it's that important to you, you care that much about it. It needs to happen. it must happen eight out of ten. So the English football team, soccer to, to those outside of other countries. Um, the Football World Cup, England are trying to qualify. David Beckham is playing and he gets challenged by one of the Argentinian players. And there's already a lot of, you know, the, the, there's, there's England, Argentina aren't friends. So there's already, they're already in a sort of a heightened state. And um, David Beckham gets challenged by another player, goes to the ground, doesn't like it, lifts his leg. Uh, and the Argentinian player feels that touch and then flops and falls to the ground. And, oh, you know, very typical soccer, um, unfortunately. And David Beckham gets a red card. So gets a red card. So each team has 11 players. Now England have to play the rest of the game with 10 players, right? And the... And they, they end up drawing the game, and then they go to penalties, and, and none of the uh, and England lost the game on penalties, so uh, didn't go to the World Cup, or yeah, I think it was that. So anyway, the talk about blame the the English press and the English people absolutely crucified David Beckham for getting a red card. Like he's a 23 year old kid at this stage, right? 23, and all he did was lift his leg up, and and the dude flopped, and and even it wasn't worthy of a red card, um, but the dude shouldn't have flopped. Um, it was just it was, it was just really interesting the way it all played out. People were were hanging like putting david Beckham jerseys on these dummies and 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 putting a noose around his neck and and putting it out in the street like hanging effigies of him he was getting bullets in the mail death threats um i think victoria was just pregnant at the time as well so he had that going on too and there's a 23 year old kid um the ho- and this it didn't it didn't just last. You know they're interviewing all his teammates and friends and family and they said yeah we thought it would die down after a week or two. It went for six or seven months, just relentless. Mm-hmm. You should die. Like the whole country, the whole press was just. And, and yeah, sitting there watching it objectively, oh, I was just heartbroken for, for humanity. Like it was so revealing what, what humans do. It was it was. You know, it's a game, but they all go, it's more than a game, it's it's, it's football is life and everything. But they're so deeply invested, emotionally invested, and attached to these outcomes. And when it didn't go their way, the whole country got triggered. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was gross. It was, it was so sad to watch.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm just trying to imagine that feeling as well, being a 23 year old kid where you know your whole country is kind of represented. It's enough people that it feels like the whole world. It's like, well, everyone fucking hates me. Like people. He, people. He grew, up,
1: mm-hmm. he grew up wanting to play for England. Like it was so important. He wanted to play for Manchester United. And, he, you know, when he finally got to play for England, it was it was everything to him. Boyhood dream. And then, and then this one little incident just absolutely triggered this chain reaction of horrific events
0: yeah do you think as well it's like um already what you've explained that you know everyone's so fucking invested in sport it's it's crazy um and also he's you know this this young good looking you know handsome kid and all that kind of stuff and you know i, I feel like in australia for those who aren't listening from australia we have this thing called tall poppy syndrome where it's like as soon as someone we want people to do well but it We don't want them to do too well. And as soon as they start doing really well, we want to pull them back down. You know, we want to humble them and and all that, which is just so gross. The exact same response as this what's happened in England is just so gross. And, you know, I think it just kind of comes from this deep-seated thing like – I wish I was that person and I had the guts and the skill and the the hard work to back myself, to put myself in that position, but I never will. I'm just going to be this person who sits around working 40 hours a week, drinking on the weekends, talking shit about my missus. And so when that person... Does something which, in the scheme of everything, sounds so innocuous. I didn't see it. I'm not a soccer fan, but it's like so innocuous to then go, "Yeah, I feel pretty warranted in burning effigies of this kid in the streets." Is wild. It's just such strange behaviour.
1: I sat there in 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 awe and disbel not disbelief. I just sat there in in. I don't know, a bit of shock I and mean, I was just I was stunned I think I was just like because it took me back I remember being in the country when it all happened and I remember you know I was working in pubs so you know we played the game in the pub uh, in a sports bar and had all the geezers in the bar drinking and it took me back to then you know the papers it was just it was relentless on this dude and so this is what 20 sort of 20 years after the fact and um, but what what sets David Beckham apart I think from a lot of other people is he he went through that and he didn't react everything that was coming at him he didn't get he didn't react he didn't lash out he didn't um, abuse anyone he didn't def- he didn't justify it. event. he just he just Move through it really stoically, I suppose. Um, and he did it in a way that worked for him, and he did it re- with his head held high and really honourably, I think. But um, um, I-, I wish he had have spoken about it to a therapist or something. I wish he had have gotten some help at the time for it. He just he just held it all in, uh, and even that even that didn't. You know, usually when someone holds it in, it uh, uh, it compounds things and it creates toxicity within them and then it comes out later um but it didn't for him and what what was really interesting so the next season uh so so he, he had to you know when when so it was one go for england when they went back to the regular season he was playing for manchester united he'd have to get escorted by armed guards into the opposing team's grounds because wow. everyone was trying to Trying to get to him, um, and, and that went as I said six, seven months the whole season. So the next season, he comes out and Manchester United win the league title. They win the FA Cup title, which is all of the clubs in England play in that, and then he won the European title. So, which is unprecedented. Um, no team's ever won all three in the one season. And you go from your worst. Sort of year ever to your best year ever, and that's. You know, he got interviewed by a, a, a journalist, and um, he said, "How did you do that?" And he said, "Well, it was just an opportunity to grow." He said, "It was, you know, I, I was a bit silly by lifting my leg, and and you know, uh, after he kicked me, um, but he held no resentment towards anyone. He he held no." Anger or bitterness or anything. He just, he just, he, he controlled the control of us. He went in telling mm-hmm. us, what can I do? I can, I can train better. I can learn from this. This is a, this is a, an experience which I can become better of having been through. And, you know, I just sat there and just couldn't, I already admired him for what he, what he's done in sport and, and life and everything. Uh, I don't know if he, um, had an affair. I don't know if that's been confirmed or not. Um, but he, uh, yeah, just just the way he carried himself through that and bounced back from that adversity, I think that it was just such a really, I don't know, really valuable lesson for a lot of people. But there's also a valuable lesson in looking at the at the fans and the press and everything as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think um, you know, from hearing you know similar situations with sportsmen and other people, it's like the only way you get through something like that is really having a good grounding of knowing who you are as a human being like having some mm. sort of North Star or anchor, um, and then, you know, surrounding yourself, like your inner circle with the people who, who love you and know you because uh, it's like wherever you put your attention, you know, that's going to expand. And, you know, just mm. sit down and, you know, start reading newspaper articles and watching the news and then not really have a good grounding in who you are and not having great people around you, fucking good luck with that. Like I, like, I, well, I, I can only imagine like, you know, sometimes you'll have, you know, people listening might be able to relate and you might, you know, have three or four encounters over a few-day period and then that go negatively and you're like, fuck, you feel like the whole world's against you, you know, and there's that feeling. Whereas, like, you know, this kid who was 23, it's like, you know, magnify that times, you know, a million. Yeah. <laughs> and and kind of yeah. that's what's going on. And, you know, if we don't have that really good grounding in who we are, I guess that's a testament to him. And um, also, I guess I don't know much of his story, but a testament to his upbringing as well. Um, to have yeah, his, par-
1: his parents were very involved in the documentary, but it was a testament to the Manchester United Football Club and Sir Alex Ferguson, who was the manager. So, you know, Alex Ferguson brought David Beckham into the, the club at the age of 15, um, saw how talented he was, and um, you know, his dad was a diehard Man United fan. So it was sort of, you know, it was a fairy tale journey for the Beckhams um, as, as a family. But after that incident what Alex Ferguson had created was was n- not a team but a family and so his best mate was Gary Neville he played on the right side of the field with him all of all of the other players just as you said and it was really well put they just got around him and they just created this wall around him and they just created this protection around him you know other players on the field you know from other teams were just smashing into him all season just just coming in and cutting his legs out from under him and then bang, two, three, four men, you know, other players would turn up to defend him and um, so the English it was so interesting, the English coach at the time threw him under the bus as well, everyone said this is interesting, everyone said we lost because Beckham got a red card and he was the absolute scapegoat for that they they completely dismissed that A, no other player scored um, and then they they drew the game and went to penalties. So you've got you know, first to five penalties. They absolutely dismissed the fact that a couple of their superstars missed penalties in the penalty shootout. They, they still had the chance to win. Yeah. So, yes, David Beckham coming off affected the dynamics and had, had a ripple effect, but he was not the, the reason they lost. And- oh, yeah,
0: that always, I find that so fascinating. Like, obviously, watching a footy, AFL footy game and something like the – there's only a couple of points in and then something happens near the end. Like someone, you know, gets tackled when they were streaming forward. Yeah, anything like that. And it's like, oh, they've lost the game. It's like there were like 120 other minutes and opportunities (laughs) for things to happen. It's like you just focus on that tiny one bit and all the blame goes there.
1: Yeah, the the blame went on the AFL umpire in last year's AFL grand final because there was a – he paid – Um, advantage on a free kick that that none of the the players heard. And so um, the ball got turned over and went down the other, and then Collingwood won the game. But they didn't realise that um, a couple of the opposition players had missed goals. The Brisbane players, two Brisbane players missed pretty easy goals. Um, and one Brisbane player gave away a 50 meter free kick, which resulted in a Collingwood goal. So there's three incidences in the last quarter alone where Brisbane had an opportunity and didn't take it. So yeah, it's funny we just get fixated on this one thing, and that's the reason. That's the only reason why this happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really interesting. So yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I um never was a, a soccer fan or anything, and you know, but that, that those kind of stories really interest me and um. Yeah, he just must have had such a good grounding in people around. Like you said, that family environment, like if you feel like the world's against you, you can step into an environment like a bubble where you're like, hey, I'm just th- these people here all love me. I'm going and training with them. I know they love me. I've got the father figure who's the, who's the coach and everything. Then, you know, you can be shielded from it. But, um, yeah, I've heard a lot of people will get into trouble if something on any scale like that happens, but then they can't they can't help the desire to go online and read about what people are writing about them or you know that it's it's very it's very hard you've not got, to.
1: You've got to be so disciplined. That's being an yeah. active participant in your own human experience. David Beckham had to turn up and and employ his emotional intelligence. David Beckham's been called, you know, at the start of it he was softly spoken, he had a bit of a most he was seen as, you know, a pretty boy, not too bright, all of that. Scientists have, have called him a genius because of the way that he could manipulate the ball to to score the ball. The way he could, you know, they'll the, the, the bend it like Beckham. The way that he could, and I said subconsciously, he's calculating humidity and trajectory, and he's, it's like a mathematical genius. But you know, deep deep down, and. From what I saw, his, his emotional intelligence was very high. The way that he turned up for himself and self-managed and employed self-discipline um, and didn't read the papers, didn't, you know, he just, uh, I just think it's a, an amazing example of how to move through adversity well.
0: Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I've seen of Beckham lately it was a couple of weeks ago, I don't know why it must have popped up on Instagram, but there was a clip of, uh, I think, Posh in an interview and she's mm. saying like you know yeah both of us you know we we, we came up from nothing and then um david yeah. beckham pops his head in the door and goes what car did you get driven to school in she's like, no no what car did you get to school she goes, well, it's a cadillac <laughs> or
1: whatever it was, no, it was a, a Roll, rolls, yeah, rolls royce sorry yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're they're funny they're a funny couple but they yeah they're just even even when he finished his career, like he took these leaps of faith and and, went and played you know, for LA Galaxy, which was a nothing league, and he he went there and and you know he was just a prolific winner. But um, he knew he was retiring, and instead of just sort of relaxing and everything, he knew he knew himself. He knew what sort of person he was. He knew he needed something to focus on. So that's where he started his own football team in the, in the um, American League um, uh, and created the, built the Miami team, which has signed Lionel Messi and, and gone on to do amazing things. So he's kept himself engaged and occupied and found this balance after you know. And a lot of the ex-players that they interview talk about how every soccer player or every athlete is just a junkie. They just want the adrenaline. It's the crowd roaring. It's you know that's that's just they get so conditioned to 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 that chemical experience week after week that when they retire, you know, there's a void. Really, they really struggle.
0: Oh yeah, any of those of high level sportsmen like alcohol, drugs, depression, anxiety. It's just there's a big void there. It leads me on. If I can just switch to another sportsman and their mental health. was watching the UFC on the weekend, and um, Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight champ who's Australian, um, took a fight on 12 days' notice to move up a weight division and, and fight in Abu Dhabi. And um, Volk's this guy who uh, us Aussies have always loved to follow the sport. The last couple of years, everywhere around the whole world have kind of fallen in love with him. He's just like, he's obviously fucking amazing at what he does. His attitude is like unreal. He seems to be always having fun. He's so active. He's fighting all the fucking time. Um, anyway, takes this crazy fight on twelve days' notice, goes to Abu Dhabi and gets head kicked and stopped in the first round. And um, it was really interesting because, like, we he, they interviewed him in the cage, and the first thing he says, "Yep, got me with a great head kick." Head kick, and then he was meant to fight in January to defend his featherweight title. And then he's like, "Yep, book it." You know, he's just been head kicked. He's got massive cut all over his face. He goes, "Just keep me busy, like Dana the boss. Just keep me busy." I'm like, it's a strange thing to say. And so anyway, I went then Sunday and played golf and then came home and I, I watched the post-fight press conferences normally, depending on who's been fighting. And, um, yeah, he did the press conference and he started like choking up and tearing up It not at the fact that he lost, but he fought back in February in a massive fight. I think he fought June or July in a massive fight. And there was fought again. And he goes, a lot of people will say I was doing this for the money. Cause he would have got a great paycheck. He saved the whole card. And, um, but he goes uh to be honest um with when I'm not fighting and in camp I do my own head in and he started like choking up and he's like I don't know why I got a beautiful family at home he's got a newborn kid and he goes I just I just need to stay busy and get in another fight camp and you know it was really humbling to see him actually kind of break down and everything and and it was shocking mm. because mm. he's this like you know person that you put up on a pedestal but it's this classic athlete thing where and the first thing i think of i'm like man he's he's 35 he hasn't got many years left it's like what happens when it's over co there's no and you know it makes me think of there's, and he's definitely not at this stage yet but there's so many fighters who you you know they'll retire come back come back and end up just getting you know taking very unnecessary brain damage really Mm. Um, you know, my, my greatest idol of all time, Muhammad Ali is one of those, you know, a great example of that. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. And he, he, I mean, he was choking up saying he didn't say the word mental health or mental illness, but it's a hundred percent what he was talking about. He's like, I'd never thought I'd struggle with it. I didn't really believe in it. But when he had Mm. those idle hands, you know, there it was, Mm. um,
1: they do the devil's work. Yeah. I so I hope he's okay, works. and I hope
0: that I hope that he can move, oh, totally. work through that out, and and then, like you're talking about with Beckham, is to then go, okay, I've got this life after fighting, and this is what I'm going to put that same discipline towards, just in a different field.
1: Yeah, it's, but that's remember that episode we did of know thyself. That's that's where you, you know, knowing yourself intimately, knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, knowing your nature. Um, and and you know turning up for yourself every day and, and finding that balance. Uh, I know that um, you know my tendency is if I if I start getting bored, you know, the old Viktor Frankl, um, he who doesn't have a purpose in life will distract himself with pleasure. So I know that I'll you know start eating more or watching more Netflix or getting on my phone a bit more or having a few extra beers or whatever. And as soon as I notice that. I go oh, right well I'm uh, I'm distracting myself with pleasure at the moment. Why is that? What? Why am I channeling? All right, I'm feeling overwhelmed or overstimulated, but, but I don't need pleasure. What I need is is rest, uh, or I need to go and do, do something else. So it's yeah, good on him for being vulnerable um, and revealing, you know, some his. Oh, soft spot his underbelly
0: yeah and-, and that's what made it so powerful to me i've seen you know a lot of people now you know in the online commenting about it and all that and supporting but you, it's just you can see for those guys that haven't understood it before and you can tell have been kind of keeping it in to so, see it like bleed out like that it's it's like heartbreaking and beautiful at the same time it's like what you were saying how you're kind mm-hmm. of in awe of english the, the reaction even as harsh as it was it's like kind of like wow that's you know, what humans can do. And I think it was just, um, yeah, that's why it was so touching to see someone who everyone's Mm. like, Oh, he's just having a great time with life. Look at him go. He's, you know, got millions Millions in in the the bank. bank Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've worked at, um, uh, one of the most prestigious, um, resorts in the world as a, as a visiting consultant in Thailand. And the people, that would visit such a place, uh, you know, they pull up in their yachts in the bay and, you know, in their in their super yachts in the bay or or get helicoptered in, or um, you know, money is not an issue for any of them. And they come in and they're all happy and glowing and tanned and wearing white linen and having cocktails and and all that sort of stuff. And and they noticed that, oh, there's a, a guy I can talk to here. You know, there's, there's all these visiting. So there's a, a Tai Chi instructor and there's a yoga instructor and then there's this dude doing mental health stuff. And a few of them you know, courageously came and knocked on my door and came and had a few sessions and whatnot. And it was so interesting, you know. Um they're so used to people bowing around them. You know, there are lots of Russians and Americans and British and all sorts of different nationalities, but they're so used to people saying yes to them or cowering away from them because they're so powerful. And ever. And I turn up and I'm just straight into it. I'm just like, let's lift the bonnet and see what's going on under here. I'm like, well, that's a fucking mess. That's a mess. You're, you know, that's all over the shop. And really sort of... Um, obviously not that harsh in that that way of builds a lot of rapport with them first but as soon as you as soon as you lift the bonnet with these people you you notice that they're masking so much with money and they're masking so much of their deficiencies or or there's so much insecurity um they're just lost a lot of them are lost and um not all of them it's it's not a it's not a, a generalization but we're all human and we all have these human emotions and we all have, none of us are immune to to you know, our mental health being affected because we don't know how to look after it. Um, you know, my own experiences is I, I hit that rock bottom, but without that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Beckham wouldn't have been where he is now without that adversity. But So that's that, we, we can't, Pray for an easy life. We're going to develop the capacity to endure a difficult one, and and that's that's done by learning how to be patient. That's by learning when we're forming attachments and these desired outcomes and craving for things to be different to how they are, and then in that moment going, actually, what can I control? I can't control that. I can just I can just reassure myself. So uh, the the Ryan the version of Ryan that's existed the last three days, there was an opportunity for him. He did the best he could, but there was an opportunity for him to to self soothe and go. Actually, everything's okay. I'm okay. The business is okay. We're all okay. And it's not ideal. It's a little bit frustrating. It's it's it is whatever it is. It's it's it's, it's inconvenience and all of these things. But it's not the end of the world. We're okay. Food, water, shelter, family. I'm, I have an abundance, but but we slip into that sense of deficiency. I won't have enough, or I don't have enough, or not enough's being done. There's that that not enoughness really starts coursing through us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it doesn't matter what we, we have or anything. We will normalize whatever we have. And then that <laughs> becomes a baseline. And then whenever that baseline gets challenged, we freak out when, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a perspective. You know, if I think back to when I was a drug addict and then I'm like, oh, in X amount of years, you'll have this problem, I'll be like, right. So, <laughs> that will be so good to have that type of problem instead of the ones I'm dealing with now. But you know that, like, normalization is so interesting to me—the way that we can Mm. fairly quickly normalize our experience, and then and then take it all for granted, wish for more, take it for granted. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And it's
1: it's, 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 not—it's—it's—it quickly becomes not enough, Mm. Uh, because we just we we adapt to it. It becomes part of the norm, and and because nothing's different or new or shiny, we're, we're like, or it's not. It's not growing. We, we, we look at it as, oh, well, that's, uh, you yeah, know, we've got a perfectly good TV, but I need a new TV. It's um, Haven't you seen the new one, one that
0: they've made? Haven't you seen the new one yeah. that's come out?
1: Well, we, uh, a TV, I ordered a TV online, an online appliances about a month ago, and it turned up yesterday. And, um, yeah. and so we haven't had a TV. You know, we watch Netflix on our laptop or whatever. And, and we've, we hooked this TV up last night. It's not hooked into you know, commercial TV or anything. It's just um, this streaming platform. And, yeah, we sat there watching it, and we were just – we both sort of looked at each other. Like we're sitting on a couch, and we're watching TV. <laughs> wow, so this is so fancy. Look, 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 so look at at. So this is us. how the other half live. <laughs> and um, I can't help but, yeah, you know, look at the spectrum of, of – Abundance, and and there's the multi-multi billionaires up that end, and then there's the third, fourth world countries down that end, and and everything in between, and and you know, I wouldn't say I'm middle of the spectrum, but I'm probably more close to that end. But in terms of everything, but it's it's you know, having gone from lived in suburbia and comfort, and having it all there, all the conveniences there, to being here. It has been really interesting to observe my own responses to things. And, and yeah, I never watched TV anyway um, back at home, but we had a TV. And then to, to get a TV and just to go, oh, <laughs> it's like, it's so silly. Like it's yeah. so, it's, it's like if you go,
0: you know, you might, you know, as Aussies oftentimes go to Bali and whatnot, you know, for their holidays because it's close by and, you know, you, 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 money goes a fair way just because of the exchange rate and everything. And so yeah, they might stay in a you know, really fancy resort and there's a really fancy room and it's much more fancy than their house back in suburbia in Melbourne or wherever it is. And like you do, you're like, oh, look at this. Look at the couch here and the blah, blah, blah. And it's always, you know, like a little excited kid. But then- it would not take long at all if that was your living situation for you to be bored as fuck with it and look for the next thing. It is, and it's hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny.
1: So that's where that's, that's where this is happiness. It's not <coughs> having things, what was it, um, George Carlin was talking about, you know, trying to oh, hang on, I'll get, there. get the actual quote. Um, because it's it's you know as I said we all do it everyone everyone got this in them trying to be happy by accumulating possessions is like trying to satisfy hunger by taping sandwiches all over your body. <laughs> it's all it's external. classic.
0: It's like that's that's the cycle of addiction. You know, it's like the ancient fable of the hungry ghosts who are just trying <laughs> to stuff their mouth. But like they're ghosts and just kind of fall through, and they're always hungry. It's like a, a hunger that can never truly be satiated. We can never be filled. We can achieve temporary states of pleasure, but it's not fulfilling.
1: Mm. And that's the thing. It's that people think that since of deficiency creates a void, and they keep trying to fill that void to make them happy, but it's it's, it's it can't be filled with with external things. It, it needs to be filled with a sense of gratitude and you know you don't have to sit there and bow down to your tv everyone i'm so grateful for having this tv and the fact that this tv exists in my lounge room it's a wonderful tv it's don't go to those extremes but it's it's like you know you can have a a a daily practice if you will of of just you know, going, I'm I'm grateful for, for what I do have. I don't need more of this. You know, a 10,000 watch does the same thing as a $100 watch. And so it's a, a, a five, you know, it's people spend 20, 30 grand on a couch, you know, and it's like, oh, it's so interesting. It's so so weird.
0: Well, that's why the journey of just understanding who we are, like, you know, obviously david beckham was through that time in the early 2000s and being able to have a good grounding of that be grateful for just who we are as a human we're all unique we're all very different that doesn't mean we're right or wrong or good or bad but you know oh. when i when, when i'm okay and grateful for me and who i am then what i have you know doesn't mean we renounce everything it just means that it's not a determinant on my worth as a human being yeah we
1: don't need to uh, rely on it to determine who we are um but we don't need to Live in a cave as home. either. I either mean, can if you want. But yeah, it was interesting would. with Beckham as well. well he, um, you know, he does a lot of cooking and cleaning at home, and and he hasn't outsourced that. And I think that's a very grounding thing as well. A lot of people that are, have the means will outsource all of their menial chores, but those menial chores are really important. They they keep us grounded. They keep us connected. Um, and yeah, without them because they're very meditative activities as well. They, they sort of feed the soul. Cooking for your family feeds the soul. But if you employ a chef or just buy buy ready-made meals all the time, you're not being an active participant. You're not involved in the creation of, of, of your own meals. So it couldn't be any further from the spectrum of, you know, hunter-gatherer to now, you know, can you hunt and gather for me? Uh, and mm. it's just... Yeah, it's, it's not healthy, I don't think.
0: It's making me hungry,
1: though. Yeah, I could go an omelette. Oh, an omelette.
0: What kind of omelette do you go for? Mushrooms, bit of cheese in there?
1: Yeah, spinach. Um, but I like the Meredith's goat's cheese. A mm. uh, bit of Spanish onion. A oh, bit of jamón. Jamón. Jamón, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can really go Go number now, but yeah. So there's there's something there's something floating around in my brain that I wanted to pull out, but I can't quite grasp it at the moment. Uh, it's in relation to the Beckham things because um, I, I think Matt his is EQ. Um, yeah, no, it's not there.
0: Is EQ what?
1: By his EQ, we've touched on his EQ and then the, his capacity to self manage and self regulate.
0: Um, and EQ is everything. Uh, EQ is like a, our quality of life is determined by our this emotional state that we're in at the time, essentially, and our relationship to that. So it's like completely, completely.
1: I mean, you could have a, um, you know, life happens to all of us to various degrees, but if you're not there to, to manage, yourself and your emotional state in that moment, then you're just just going to be constantly affected by everything around you. And it doesn't need to be that way. There's there's another path you can take.
0: The hard path to happiness.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Well, that's an original Uh, thing I just said. Never been said before. I'm going to call my book that. (laughs) Imagine that if I wrote a book first and call it that. It's like a rushed and shit book, but I just wanted to get in ahead of you, so you couldn't call it that.
1: <laughs> I'd love it. it be the best thing ever.
0: I can't, <laughs> I can't, be, it. I can't
1: be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the... Um, what was the subtitle to that? Um, I guess it was
0: a... Hard, uh... What, you had a subtitle? Organized,
1: yeah. Um, how yeah, are you no, looking at it? Oh, it's uh, uh, you... in my notes on the file. Oh, it's in the I in notes. notes the um, uh, the art of suffering and the pursuit of unhappiness. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's, that's, what we, that's what we're doing, our, our normal ways. We love suffering and we pursue a lot of unhappiness. We, we There's a lot of outsourcing. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have something that we can put out there for people to come in contact with and just, you know, we're not telling people what to do or telling them how to live their lives or that this way is better than any other way. Everyone's doing the absolute best they can, but there's none of us are, are perfect. None of us know everything. You can do everything. So there's always something that we can do to improve our quality of life. I think, and and that's um, yeah, for me, that's that's the main priority. Is when I'm okay. And I'm and I'm laughing and I'm light and I'm happy and I'm free, then yeah, you know, that's a wonderful experience. But then people around me get to experience that as well.
0: Yeah, and that's what we're trying to achieve with the podcast, just to make you feel better. I mean, make the listeners all, you know, feel a little <laughs> bit better. Maybe they can look at something a little bit differently today, you know. Although this has been Maybe. a pretty shit podcast from my point of view. like I haven't been great today. Yeah,
1: me too. I'm gonna to no, call it that.
0: No. I'm calling it the shittest podcast. <laughs>
1: Good, I hope so. Uh, I, I guess the, the takeaways adversity happens to all of us. We, we,
0: and we thank all fall God,
1: down, but yeah, but, but ha, ha, what, what's happened in your life or happening in your life at the moment, which is really challenging or not ideal or inconvenient or embarrassing or whatever word you want to use to describe it. But how are you becoming better for it? How are you handling yourself and controlling the controllables? How are you? Yeah, you know, are you? It's it's going to reveal stuff. It's it's revealing that Ryan's an imp- impatient bastard. Uh, what's it revealing within you when? when a bit of a label.
0: Oh, there's a little bit of a label there.
1: Yeah, it was fun
0: though. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. I'm hungry. I need to go have one of my microwave meals.
1: <laughs> I'm going to try and make an omelette in my kitchen Around all these tradespeople.
0: people Alright, peace out everyone later up. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes Podcast Please don't forget to subscribe to the show Also leave us a 5 star rating We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time